0: Hello, mama. I hope your day is so beautiful and so blessed and I'm excited to be here with you before my baby comes. And maybe this is going to be my last episode I record before he comes. But who knows? Because my babies usually don't show up until 41 weeks. But number three, wild card. I don't know we'll see. I'll keep you posted at some point. I'm awful at social media if you haven't noticed, but there will be some, I will let you know. I will let you know. Speaking of social media, I do want to invite you if you haven't jumped in. Uh, we do have a Facebook group. It is amazing. Um, it's run by my friend Lauren. She has a gift of encouragement and it's just such a great resource to connect with other mamas that are on this journey and to just get little bits of encouragement for your day and to find other people walking through the the same stuff. And so I encourage you to get in there. Um, that, that is social media that is kept updated and, um, would love to learn your story and get to know you. And, um, it's growing so fast over there. It's such a blessing. And I also will give you all the updates about the next time our Academy is launching and all of the things happening. So you don't miss anything. So make sure you go over there. You can go into Facebook and search Morning Mama Collective. You can go into the show notes and click the link. Um, I would love to see you over there. It's such an honor to, yeah, just get to know you more. And um, with that, I just, today we are wrapping up our series on preparing for birth and pregnancy and postpartum. And today we're kind of focusing on the postpartum world and talking about what does that look like? How do we best prepare for that? And I'm kind of more taking the approach of talking about how as moms, we need to think through the lenses of what we're focusing on with our kids, And uh, this question comes from someone that had asked me a while ago to speak about the pressure to breastfeed and how, um, just kind of speak about how we don't need to always do that. And that actually is a topic that I'm really passionate about. And so we're going to talk about that, but kind of expand it to other areas of motherhood that can be really similar where we really get uh, our priorities off. We've lost focus, I think, in a lot of ways as a culture and, and just with different things. And so I want to speak to that today. So I hope you are ready to just be equipped and maybe let go of some of the mom guilt or the mom anxiety you've been carrying because of some of these things that seem so important. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that. So let's do this. Welcome to the Morning Mama Podcast, where it is time to wake up to the life you were created for. Come join me on a journey to heal from your past, craft a healthy, joy-filled life, and discover the gifts and passions inside of you that the world needs. Hi, I'm Brittany, a former marriage and family therapist who is ready to help you grab hold of your courage, step out in faith, and discover that your life can become more than you ever dreamed possible. This is Morning Mama, a place for you to throw off all that has been holding you back and run into true freedom. right, Mama. I'm so excited to jump in today as we wrap up our series on preparing for birth and postpartum. And I I love this topic. I just shared with you that this comes from someone with a question um, asking me to talk about the pressure to breastfeed and how, why we don't need to breastfeed. And I love this question because first of all, I actually have loved breastfeeding my babies, but I do not think that it is something that everyone needs to do. And I'm going to share with you why, and then we're going to expand it to beyond breastfeeding. And so, even if you it's not a baby that you have, I think this can t- can touch on any mom of any age and some of the things that we get caught up in because of culture or or whatever it is and we get our priorities off. And so, I'd love to speak to that today. But first of all, I want to share a little bit about my journey to breastfeed because I think it helps shed light on some of this. So I have breastfed both of my babies so far. I'm planning to with my third, and I I've loved it. It's been a great experience for me for the most part. Now we're going to talk about some of the ways it wasn't so great. But you know, I think right now culture is just screaming at us um, that there are these things that we have to do in order to be a good parent, and there's this unnecessary pressure on things like breastfeeding and, you know, specifically for breastfeeding that are are already in such an intense time. Like the, the newborn phase is so intense for so many reasons, right? We're lacking sleep. We're trying to figure out either how to be a mom for the first time. We're trying to figure out how to integrate a new sibling into the, into our family. Like we have to maintain all, especially if we already have kids, we have to maintain all of the normal things that we already struggle to maintain, right? Like um, groceries and laundry and the house and, you know, the list goes on and on. We know this. Our marriages, right? And and going back to work and all, all of the things. And so this intense pressure that to be the best mom we have to breastfeed is, is not helpful. Um, so let me start by sharing my journey. So I mentioned this uh, a little bit in one of the previous episodes about with my son. It was very difficult to breastfeed. And So I want to share a little bit more details with this. So when I remember when my son was uh, three days old, which literally felt like weeks into his life. And I can't even believe it was three days, but I thought through it and I was like, no, that was his like three day checkup or or whatever it is somewhere around there. I don't remember what the normal checkups are. Very soon I will remember what they are because we're going to be going through that. But it was literally like three days in. Uh, maybe a week at very most. And I remember I could barely, like the the doctor asked, the pediatrician asked how breastfeeding was going. And I remember barely being able to speak to him because I was wanting to cry. And I, you know, I also had him in sleeping, had a lot of anxiety and I was in so much pain. And I told him like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And again, this was three days in, maybe a week in, like, that's it. And I was already to this breaking point. And I'm so grateful that he told me, he's like, you need to get an appointment right away with a lactation consultant. And it, it cannot wait. Like, I was like, oh, well, I could get this other appointment at the hospital and, you know, a uh, so-and-so time. I feel like it was just a couple days away. And he was like, no, you need to call, uh, he works with a lactation consultant. You need to call this lactation consultant and, and get in, uh, tomorrow where I, I can't remember the timeline he gave me, but it was like urgent. And I'm, I'm so glad he did that because I would have absolutely given up if not, because my son, um, would not latch and it was so frustrating. And then when he would latch, I was in extreme pain, um, he was, you know, just crying endlessly because he wasn't getting enough milk, and I didn't know that. We were monitoring. I remember we were monitoring his poops, and so this must have been our three-day appointment because I think at the one-week mark, his poops hadn't transitioned from what is it, the meconium to the 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 uh, the next color. <laughs> I remember all this, like the mustard color, right? For breastfed babies. I don't know. And so we were monitoring it because we didn't know what that reason was. It can be kind of normal at first, but it also could be a sign that they're not getting enough food. And so, um, it was just an extremely stressful time with not sure if he's getting enough food and lots of pain, constantly trying to get him to latch and, and failing. Like he most of the time would not latch at all, which was so hard. Or he would like have a day where he would successfully do it. And then the next day he wouldn't at all. And, <laughs> and then after I would spend, you know, sometimes 45 minutes trying to get him to eat, I then after that would have to pump a bottle so that he would have something to eat, you know, and that it's just like, and then feed him the bottle, right? Like it's, and then wash the dishes, right? So th- this would take hours at a time. Um, and it just was, it was crazy. And so, I went to lactation consultant, found out he had a severe, uh, lip, tongue, cheek ties. I can't remember all the ones he had. And, you know, we got him an appointment to get them corrected, but it's just crazy. Like we didn't, yeah, we didn't know this until like a week in, and it's just crazy how hard it had already gotten in that time. And so After that, you know, we got it corrected and things were sometimes improving, but there was still so much that wasn't working well. And it literally was a massive struggle for the next, I want to say two months, uh, maybe like a month and a half where it was similar to the, what I had told you where it was trying to get him to latch. And then I'd still have to pump because he wasn't quite getting quite enough. Cause there's, I think there were some other complications that weren't fully diagnosed or the, the correction wasn't as good. I don't know exactly what was happening, but it literally lasted for weeks and weeks. And so I'd have to do the whole process. I also, you know, was in a ton of pain. And so having to take care of my breasts with like ointment and soaking them in Epsom salts, and I got uh, mastitis at one point, and you know it just was endless the things that I had to do and how stressful it was and how terrifying it was and oh my gosh how painful it was how time consuming it was. So looking back, there is no way I could have continued that process. For a variety of reasons. One, even if I just didn't have one of these, I don't think I could have continued. One, my mom was there pretty much around the clock. I think she, yeah, she was living with us at the time because they didn't have a home out here. And so I think she stayed with us for a month or two after he was born, which I'm so grateful for. But she would, you know, take care of him when I was having to pump and do all these other things and she would help feed him the bottles and she would help with all the cooking meals, right? Like, so if I did not have her, there's no, no way I would have continued. Also, it cost a lot of money to have the tongue tie corrected and to go to the lactation consultant appointments and to have the extra vitamins to help get the clogs out and to like it was endless, right? And so if I didn't have the financial resources to do it, there's no way I would have done that. This was my first baby. If if I had had any other children to care for during this time, there is no way I could have continued because, you know, I dropped Everything at that point, like I did not uh, eat, eat full meals except for when my mom was cooking, right? Like the house was a mess, I was barely showering, right? And on top of it, I had access to the absolute best resources. My lactation consultant that my pediatrician recommended just happened to be like the expert in my area for tongue and lip ties, and she's written a book on it, she's helping educate doctors on it um, just all the things. And then she knew the best people to have it corrected and uh, all these other things we had to do with it. We also had to do like cranial, sacral, I can't remember what it's called. Some kind of, uh, body work for my son because, uh, of how there was like, you know, small distortions and how his neck was aligned and stuff when he was born. So it just like was endless. These resources I had that just happened to be amazing. And, uh, truly as much as I, uh, respect the lactation consultants at the hospital, they weren't trained in this. And so they couldn't have spotted it because this is not something that there's actually, it's, it's actually kind of controversial, uh, especially amongst doctors. And that's why she's trying to help educate doctors. I'm not going to get into all of it. It's not important, but you know, if I hadn't have had just the right lactation consultant and just the right resources and just the right, all of these things for my son. And now, you know, not every baby's going to need that, all those specific resources. Absolutely the ones at the hospital can help you. And, um, you know, there's other ones that can help you, but because of how severe my son's ties were, there just would have been no way. And so all of these factors had to come together to allow me to pursue this, now, I don't know how much of my determination for this is uh, one based in just who I am. And I am a very determined person. And when I set my mind to something, I do it. Um, how much of it was uh, influence of culture, which very well might have subconsciously been a part of things. Uh, I do know for me, this is something I've just always valued since I was little for some reason. And maybe that's just something God put in me because he knew I needed to persevere through this because it, it, it built something inside of me that I needed for the future. I I don't know, but it, it was something I really valued. And so it was important to me to continue. Um, but you know, there's so much, especially if this is not a value to you, there's so much in culture that could make it feel like it's, needs to be your value, that it needs to be the most important thing, that you need to sacrifice everything to do this. And that's what we're going to talk about. I start with that story because after going through that, I absolutely know that that's not reasonable for everyone. Now, if this is just as important to you, this is something that you've been passionate about, you are passionate about, you are determined no matter what to breastfeed your baby, then absolutely it is so worth it fight through all of those things. Sacrifice all of those things. Do it. Don't look back. Keep pushing forward. You can do it. It absolutely does get better. Absolutely. And it is worth it. But that's only if that's your conviction. Okay. If that's just your guilt at play, that you feel like you have to, to be a good mom, that you feel like you're going to be judged by others. You feel like uh, you're going to, your child's going to miss out because of it all. No, like, Absolutely not. Not that there's not benefits. I'm not saying there's not benefits to breastfeeding. I'm saying it is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that your child has a healthy mom. And ultimately, if we look at the bigger picture, right? Okay, so I want you to uh, expand, think bigger, think bigger, and bigger, and bigger. Okay, what is it that really matters? Now that you've zoomed out, what really matters in life? What is it? What's, what's the one thing? Eternity, right? An eternity perspective in mind. Do they know God? Do they know God's love through you? Are they kept safe and healthy? Are they taught God's values? Like ultimately that is what matters. Now I know we can't ignore everything else. We're going to talk in a minute about how we got to keep our kids healthy in a lot of ways. And we got to fight some of the other things that culture's throwing at us, that might be easy to slip into that are unhealthy for our kids, but ultimately, when we look at the bigger perspective, breastfeeding is not the thing that we need to care about, and we're gonna throw other things in there, right? Like there's all these other areas of motherhood, like um, the perfect toys, the perfect clothes and decor for your baby, the perfect activities for them, right? The perfect education, the perfect, like we could go on and on with this list. I mean, even, you know, when I was, uh, with my firstborn, I was getting all these emails cause I was looking into, you know, how to help him grow and learn and do all these things. And I got these emails, which were really helpful, but they were all about how at each, you know, each month, what, what your child needs at each month and how to help them learn to sit up and how to help them grow in this and how to help them with their motor skills and how to help them with all these things, which again, I'm not saying those things do not have merit. They're absolutely helpful, but we have become so obsessed with all of that, that it feels like it's the most important thing that if we don't check all of these boxes and get all of those kind of emails and follow all the protocol and do all the special activities and, and breastfeed our babies and give them the perfect organic everything, then they're going to fail in life. Like They're not going to make it. And that could not be farther farther from the truth. I know many people that were raised in horrific homes that, you know, not just did they not have this nutrition and these activities and all these things, but they also didn't really have loving present parents. And I'm not saying that we should go that far, obviously, but they grew up to be some of the best people I've ever known. Like, And that's because they know God and they love God and they follow God. So we cannot get things flipped around and start making the things that are not the most important, the most important thing. What is the most important? Do not forget it. And it's funny, as I'm talking, I'm just remembering the sermon on Sunday, which is funny because I wrote this episode, uh, man, a few weeks ago because I haven't gotten a chance to record since then. And uh, I think it was last Sunday, they are talking about how, you know, she was, it was actually kind of a prophetic word for some people in the room. And... I was one of those people that needed to be spoken to because I was getting so caught up in like getting the house ready and getting decor and having it be so great. And uh, my pastor's word for some of us was that the things that we're focused on, they aren't bad. Like, and she wasn't specific, but I knew for me that meant like all this decor and trying to get the house peaceful and nice and organized and all these things like those things aren't bad. But what, what some of us have been doing, she said, is that we've been making the the thing that isn't the one thing and we've been making it the one thing. (laughs) So we've been flipping the priorities around, right? Like God is the one thing. He's the the thing we need to fix our eyes on. He's the thing we need to live for. He's the thing that we need to make sure is always consistent. And we've been turning things on its head and making these other things, which aren't bad, but we've been putting them above God um, and putting them in the wrong priority. And, you know, I can see in some ways I've done that just, you know, I've still woken up and had my time with God, but I've been distracted and I've had a hard time focusing and I've, had a hard time hearing his voice because I've been so consumed with everything being perfect before the baby comes, which in reality, there's like, we need to have some things in order. Yeah. But I could have done that without the worry. (laughs) I could have done that without the obsession. Right. And so it's the same thing goes for when we have a new baby, we got to keep the one thing, the one thing. Now, obviously with a baby, you can't teach them too much about God. I mean, you can start to like sing them Jesus songs and speak, uh, truth over them and pray for them out loud. And like, there's the, that is all great, but obviously there are real physical needs and the babies can only retain so much of the other stuff. Like uh, we got to do, <laughs> we got to feed them and change them. And play with them and all the things, right? We can't, we can't neglect those things. But ultimately this comes down to like a mindset and, and how where your spirit is focused is we need to make sure that we're keeping the things in priority that need to be in priority. And as we look at our kids and we think, okay, am I a good enough mom? Am I I doing a good enough job? We can't go through this laundry list of things that culture tells us that we need to do. We need to look at, am I following the Holy Spirit? Am I listening to God? Am I loving my child the way God wants me to love them? And honestly, a lot of times, and I speak to myself with this as well, those other things can actually cause us to not love our kids as well. Because we get so consumed with them. We get so consumed with this idea of perfection that we miss these little moments with them we miss just being present with them cuz we're we're checking off boxes and we're we're just getting so consumed by all of that or even in a longer term view we end up making our kids the number one thing in our lives when God needs to be the number one thing, right? And so we, we lose sight of maybe some things that God's calling us to do or or who he's calling us to invest in or, or where he wants us to pour in. And we just are looking at our kids trying to check all those boxes and obsessing over their growth and their development when God's like, I got that taken care of. I, I, I got it. Can you look at this other thing? Because you have some other gifts that I really need you to use in the world, And when we get so deer light, focused, I don't know, deer light, deer in the headlights. I don't know. You know, I think, you know what I'm trying to say. When we get so focused on our kids, we can so easily lose sight of the other things. We're not even, we're not even opening our ears to hear what God might have to say about what he wants us to do in the world. And so I, I want to tell you, it's okay if you don't breastfeed it's okay if you don't do the Pinterest activities. It's okay if you don't go through all the checklists of what your baby needs developmentally and go through all the different activities on a daily basis to help them function better and help their brain grow. (laughs) it's like all this knowledge in our culture is so helpful but then we become obsessed with it where it takes away the joy in things and we feel like we have to do a hundred different million things to help our babies learn to grow when really like life kind of has a lot of that stuff built into it like like maybe it'll give your baby a slight advantage at something maybe but really like all those things will be learned eventually. And what your baby needs is you to be present and you to teach them about God and you to love them. Right? So we got to keep it in perspective. Now, I want to talk for a minute because I do, as a mom, highly value keeping my kids as healthy as possible and helping them function in the best way possible. And so, like what that looks like for me specifically, the things maybe I feel convicted on or things that I, you know, try and fight for. And these are things you're going to have to think through, like what is important to you? And and this is just my list. Um, and these, some of these might be on your list. Some of them might not be. You probably have things on your list that I don't have on my list. And so I think one of the tricks to all of this is fighting for our kids by 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 letting the Holy Spirit lead and not doing All of the things, not having my whole list and your whole list and your friend's whole list and feeling like you have to do all of those things in order to have a a functioning child. Um, but for me, like, this is kind of the lens that I see this through is that in our culture, it's, that's so fast paced and so loud and so processed. It is important to think about what is good for our kids' bodies and our, and their minds. And, and we do have a responsibility to do that. I just don't believe in obsessing over it. So for me, what, where that nuance looks like, like what it looks like for me to, in my mind, not obsess and but also to be responsible is first of all, screen time. Like uh, we are pretty strict at my house about screen time. Now, as they've gotten older, I've, you know, I give up a little bit more control as, as we've had more siblings come into the house, I give up a little more control, but generally I do stick to like the guidelines that are set out. Now, Everyone's different. I've seen many well well-functioned kids watch more screen time than this. However, it's something you do need to be cognizant of. Um I do think it's can easily become something that like is uh too much of a crutch, like, you know, anytime you're eating out, there's an iPad. Anytime the kid is whining, there's an iPad. Anytime, right? We got to be careful and and use that sparingly. And so you know, some of the recommendations that I follow are, you know, there's no screen time until the kids are one and a half or two. Um, I think they lowered it to one and a half. Um, and then even there's a max of 30 minutes a day until they're three years old. And then when they're three, it's up to a max of one hour. Now, Again, we're not perfect at this by any means, but it's generally on a normal day what I try and stick to. Now, when I'm gone and I have my connect group, my husband will usually have pizza night with the kids and they'll watch a movie, right? Which is more than an hour. And, you know, my daughter's not three yet. So that's obviously beyond her limits, you know, but we're not doing that every night. And it's a special occasion. Again, I'm not trying to give you black and white rules you need to follow. I'm sharing what I do in and my motherhood of where I'm trying to hold this nuance, uh, this tension of responsibility without obsession. And so that's something I really value. We don't have, um, iPads out of the house, um, unless we're on a plane. Airplanes are the exception because, oh my gosh, <laughs> they're horrible with children. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced that, but we've had some, uh, some fun moments on there. Oh man. Um, but you know, we don't take them to dinner. We we don't have them in the car. Um, we recently got a, a van. I'm, I love minivans. So um, if, if I've joined your club, I'm all about it. And I recommend other people to join this club because it's the best. But <laughs> anyways, we got this, mo- the, the the van ended up having a TV in it, which I actually was so against. I didn't want it. But We upgraded to, I think, like four-wheel drive, and when we did that, it came with, or all-wheel drive, it came with a TV. I don't know. We didn't realize it was coming, and we're like, oh, there's a TV in this car. I was so against it. Um, so with us though, the TV is there, but we only use it on like long road trips. And even that, we don't use it the whole time, right? We we use it with discretion. So um, again, I have exceptions to this rule, but I, I also am, I want my kids to learn how to sit and eat with us and not need screen time constantly. And I want them to learn how to be bored and to be able to handle that. And actually research has found boredom is really good for kids. And so we don't want our kids to always be stimulated and always be just content with this screen in front of them that's entertaining them. It's good for them to kind of uh, have to figure out how to cope. It's, it's a healthy thing. And so that's a big thing in my house that we try and work towards. Um, this too, so I'm not as good at this as many moms, but we try and avoid a lot of um, processed foods. So what this looks like um in how we do it is that I have a big focus on fruits and veggies and good fats and whole grains. And so like for snack time, most of the time it's like a fruit or a veggie. We'll do a lot of cheese. I know some parents don't do any dairy, right? Like there's so many different ways to do all of this. Um, and then we'll do a lot of nuts and like, uh, we will do some bread, but it's like a you know, a a healthier bread that has like, um, a lot of protein in it and whole grains and, you know, things like that. So I just try and choose things intentionally. Now, We also, as a family, and especially in this last season, we eat out a decent amount and it's not always healthy stuff. And we don't go to a lot of like fast food stuff besides like Chick-fil-A, which in my mind is a different category. In and out, that's a different category. (laughs) See how I like, I'm not black and white about this. Um, but you know, and then we'll go to like, you know, Del Taco and things like that. But um, so we do eat out a fair amount, um, and especially this last season, it's been like a lot because we didn't have a kitchen to cook in for a while. You know, it's, it's been, it's been a struggle, but when we're eating at home, I try and get the kids to focus on those healthy things. Now, I do allow them sweets in moderation. And this is some, some moms don't allow any sugar in their house. Um, usually once a day, I'll let them have like a small treat and that's what it looks like. There's also exceptions where, you know, sometimes we go get ice cream and, or there's a birthday party and they have cake. Like we, we are not super strict about it, but I do try and monitor it. And with that, we have conversations and I teach, them, hey, it's okay to have some of this, but we don't want too much because then our body's not going to feel good and it's not going to be good for us. And so I try and explain and, and give them color for all of that. But we are far from perfect in this area. It's just something I try and factor in is like making sure they're getting some, some healthy foods in there. Um, one other category that I try and think through is just avoiding excessive toys that make noises and kind of aiming for more open-ended toys. So toys where they can use their imagination and their creativity and, um, they can kind of create things out of nothing like Legos, like dress up, like, um, I haven't gotten them yet, but my chiropractor recommended these scarves. I'm trying to remember what they're called. I think they're called play scarves. And they just leave your kids open for so much imagination because they can turn these scarves into anything. They can turn them into forts, into capes, into, um, like she was telling me there, they made like a campfire out of them, you know, like there's so much there. And so I love things like that, where they can use their minds for creativity. And it's not just like these, you know, loud things in their face all the time. There's already so much of, that in our culture, and so that's another area we're not perfect in, but we you know try and aim for those kind of toys. Now that's my list. Okay, uh, your list might look different. I share that just as examples of how we we can try and steward what our kids are consuming in their bodies and their minds and their spirits, so that we can help them be healthy. But ultimately, I would drop all of those things. For the one thing, which is God. Like ultimately, what I'm teaching them about God is far more important than any of the other stuff. However, God does call us to to steward our bodies and our minds and our spirits well. He's trusted us with these bodies. And so as we have to learn to do that for ourselves, which I know is, you know, a battle for many of us, how do we take care of our bodies in this season? We want to teach our kids the same thing. And so we're not ignoring all of these principles. We're not ignoring these things, but we just got to keep the main thing the main thing. So, my encouragement to you is to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Pay attention to where you're convicted. Pay attention to what's important to you because God made you for your kids or he made your kids for you, right? Like <laughs> you are the perfect mother for your your kids. And so the gifts, passions, focuses inside of you are what your kids need. And so just pay attention to the that. La- that. Let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you. And don't get caught up in this culture of perfectionism and obsession about how we're developmentally making our kids so healthy in every way. And it just becomes this, this thing that we can't live up to that adds all this pressure, all of these things. It's just too much, (laughs) we don't need obsession. We just need intentionality. So let me just pray for you. God, I thank you for these mamas that you have trusted with these kiddos. God, I thank you for the amazing gifts in each of these mamas. God, I thank you for how they see the world. I thank you for what's important to them. God, I pray that you would just lead and guide them in how to steward their kids. Well, how, how, where to lean in, where to back off, what what does that look like for their family, Lord? And I just pray that you would give them wisdom and insight and resources and everything they need to figure out what it looks like to be good parents. And I pray specifically over those in the postpartum period, God, that that as they're figuring out what it looks like to be a mom or what it looks like to be a mom to this new child, God, that you would give them wisdom about where to focus and where to let go, and that you would just extend grace to them, so and help them know that they can extend grace to themselves in this, God, um, and I. Just just pray that you would just help them to have a peace, God, that, um, and a confidence that they're more than enough, God, that they're equipped for this job, God, and you are right there in it with them, God. And uh, we just pray against any anxiety or depression. And we just pray for an amazing time of bonding that is absent of these obsessions that are unnecessary, God. And we just praise you. We thank you that your voice gets to be louder than culture's voice. And um, we just pray for that discernment and wisdom to be able to hear your voice above anything culture has to say. We praise you. We worship you, God. You're so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, Mama.